Hi, my name is Mark Riggins, and I'm pastor here at LifePoint, located in Plano, Texas, and we meet here every Sunday at 1030, and we are here for your family. I hope today's message is an encouragement to you. Happy New Year's. It's so good to be here with you. It's uh, like Mark said, my name's Ben. I'm the student pastor, uh, and it's so fun to get to be in here. This is my first time in here with you guys, so this is, I'm, I'm really excited. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but I am. Uh, I, first of all, Happy New Year's. I hope you guys had an amazing Christmas. I hope you guys had plenty of awesome time with family, friends, loved ones. I hope you guys had an incredible New Year's as well. But today is also another holiday. I don't know if you knew this. Uh, you're not going to find it on many calendars other than New Year's Day. Uh, it's also National Youth Pastors Day. I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> uh, people like me all over the country are speaking. So, yeah. Uh, and none of y'all brought me a present. No, I'm kidding. Uh, no, I really was. I was at uh, lunch with a few local youth pastors. We were uh, getting, grabbing lunch together. Uh, we're all doing camp together. And so uh, we were talking through camp. We're standing in line ordering a burger. And one of them looks at me. He's like, are you preaching on New Year's Day? I was like, yeah. He's like, so am I. So is he. So is he. So all the youth pastors get the stage today. So it's a fun day. But I already know what you're thinking. You're like, the youth pastor's teaching. I just heard this. I might, I'm on the back row. I might sneak out. This probably isn't going to be that good. I know what you're thinking. Here's how I know what you're thinking. I was on the phone with my parents uh, a couple months ago. They recently moved to San Antonio. Uh, and they were, they just found a home church. They were really excited. They found uh, a church that they really loved. They loved the lead pastor and his teaching. I was talking to my mom. They had been traveling a few weeks in a row and hadn't been able to go to church. Uh, and she's like, we finally got to go back to church today. And I was so excited to see the lead pastor. I was like, oh, that's awesome. She's like, yeah, but the youth pastor is teaching. I was like, ah. Oh. And, and I, I replied to her. I was like, oh man, I was being super sarcastic. I was like, isn't that the worst when they let the youth guy teach? She's like, yes. So, <laughs> My dad was just dying laughing on the back of the phone. So I know what you're thinking because my own mom thinks it. So, but stick with me because uh, I asked her, I was like, but you stayed. How did he do? And she's like, it was pretty good. So that's my hope today that by the end of the day, you think, oh, it's pretty good. <laughs> that's my goal that you would leave today with. So I'm glad you're here. Happy New Year's to you guys. New Year's is fun. I, I personally really love this time of year because it's one of those times where you get to, it's, no matter what yesterday was like, it just feels like a fresh start. Like no matter where you are in life, you could be going through the exact same stuff as yesterday, but it still feels a little fresh, right? It feels like a new beginning. Uh, you get to set New Year's resolutions, like all Thanksgiving and Christmas, you've been going to big dinners and parties and eating and like all you can do is like, oh man, I can't wait to get to the new year so I can finally start that diet. And so I can finally, I can tell you guys my diet starts tomorrow uh, and, and then the next day and the next day. <laughs> but uh, I mean, New Year's isn't just a time for like physical goals, right? It's a time that we can set personal goals. For many of us, we've set goals maybe in our careers, uh, maybe in our education, uh, maybe it's like a relationship goals that we've set, our, our relationship with other peoples. Maybe it's a, a goal in our faith. Uh, for some of us, uh, maybe it's just character goals. Maybe just who we are as people. Those are our goals this year. And so I don't know about you. I, I like to pick a ton of them and then end up doing none of them successfully because I've overwhelmed myself with too many goals. Uh, but what we're going to be talking about today I bet no one in this room has this on their New Year's resolution list. It, it almost seems a little bit too small of a thing to be thrown up on a New Year's resolution list. I would be shocked if anyone did. And that is this, to watch your mouth. 
We're going to be talking about words today, the words that come out of our mouth. I would say this, if that's on your New Year's resolution list, you probably have an issue with the words you said. People have probably come up to you and said, you, you, really get, you should really start watching your mouth a little bit. For, for the rest of us, it almost seems a little bit too small to go on, on our list, right? It seems like this isn't a big deal, right? Besides, I mean, we can think about this. We've all been in there when, when we've been in a, a circumstance or, or something's happened and uncharacteristically, something comes out of our mouth and it makes us say this, where did that come from? I don't know, maybe you've experienced this too. Maybe you're on the highway and, and someone cuts you off and you said something a little bit out of character and it makes you say, where did that come from? Or maybe students, maybe you've said something to your parents that came out a little bit more harsh than you intended it and it starts this whole argument. You go to your room and you think afterwards, like where did that come from? Like, I don't know where that came from. Or maybe there's a group of people that you work with or hang out with or go to school with that they always like to talk about people behind their backs. And whenever you get around them, you find yourself joining in on the conversation. And afterwards, you find yourself asking this. Yeah, say it with me. Where did that come from? Right? But the truth is, like, words are a small thing, right? We think, like, hey, yeah, those are, un un like, that, that thing that came out of my mouth, like, it doesn't define my character. That's why we call it an uncharacteristic moment, right? Those words, those, those inconsistent times where something came out, something was said that I didn't really mean it. But, but again, those, those times don't dis define our character, do they? I think the truth is, a lot of times, as a society, we, we like to minimize words in our society. Like, we say things like this, sticks and stones may break my bones, but... Words will never hurt me, right? We know that. Or, or, hey, actions speak louder than words anyways, right? We, we minimize our words. But I, honestly, I believe the truth is if you ask most people in this room what their biggest hurt in life is, it's not from a rock, but it's from something that someone said to or about them. And so as we think about words, what if deep down we knew this, that words carry weight? And so in those moments, those moments where, like in those where did that come from moments, what if your words reveal less about your circumstances and more about your character? I don't know about you, that's kind of hard to take in. Maybe let me ask it to you this way. Do my words reveal the real me? That's what we're going to be diving into this morning. That's the question we're going to try and answer. And so to do that, we're going to be jumping into James chapter 3. And James, uh, if you know James, James was actually the half-brother of Jesus, right? I don't know if we really have an official term for it. His mom was Mary, but his dad was Joseph, so dad's, dad wasn't God. So like, I don't, we just say half-brother. That feels easier than trying to dive into the theology of that. But so James, half-brother of Jesus, he was the leader of the early church in Jerusalem. And, and the truth is, James is, if you've ever read James, you know, he is an extremely practical teacher. Like everything he says is super practical. It's straight to the point. He's not like trying to pull on your emotional strings at all. He is getting straight to the point. It's practical. It's not easy though. And so what we're gonna be talking about, if you're, if you're a believer in the room, here's this today for you is a practical way to live out a life that follows Christ. A practical way to live out what it looks like to live as a renewed person, a transformed spirit. That's what James is trying to teach us in his book. He's like, this is how it's done. This is how you live and follow Christ. Now, if you're not a believer in the room today, I still think this is for you. 
if you're not a follower of Christ, I still think this is great for you because I think what James is talking about will make your life better. Honestly, to me, it's an unexpected way for us to get what we want most. So what do we really want most of all? We're going to dive into James chapter 3. So if you have a Bible or the uh, Bible in your pew, you can grab that. It's also going to be up here on the screen. And so James starts out, James chapter 3, verse 2, he says this. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect. Able to keep their whole body in check. That's crazy, right? Like, I don't know about you. The first time I read this passage, interestingly enough, the first time I ever read James chapter three, I was 18 years old. I was an intern uh, at the student ministry that I grew up in. And one morning I, I was walking around and someone said, small group leader didn't show up. Here you go, you're leading. Like five minutes before class started. Never even read the passage before. They're like, you're leading this. So I'm reading it for the first time with a group of middle school boys. And I read that. And I'm like, whoever is never at fault in what they say is perfect. And I like looked up. I was like, that doesn't sound right, Right? If you can control your tongue, you would be perfect. If, James, if we had the self-control to control our tongue, we would be perfect. That's a bold claim. And if James is really saying this, that you would be able to control your whole body, if you had just the self-control to control the things that came out of our mouth, we would have the self-control it takes to be perfect. That's crazy. But he says this, we all stumble in many ways. We all stumble with what we say. And so the, the interesting thing, that, that word perfect, it's actually in the original language, it's this word temim. And temim means wholeness and integrity. And so I, I love the translation to perfect, but I also love seeing just the root of what that means. If we could control every word that we said, if we had the self-control to control our words, we would live a life with way more wholeness and integrity. All right, and so those inconsistent moments, those where did that come from moments. He's saying if you had the self-control to cut those out, we'd be left with a life that is full of wholeness and integrity. He gives us this picture of, of consistency in what we say and what we do. He actually continues and says this. James chapter 3, verse 3 through 5. He says, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or take ships as an example. Although they, though they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants it to go. Uh, I had to ask our, oh, sorry, we keep going. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. I had to ask our resident cowboy on staff, Isaac. I was like, hey, what's a bit? He's like, you know, it's that thing you put in the horse's mouth. You got the reins, you control. I was like, oh, so it's like the steering wheel for a horse. He's like, that's not really accurate. <laughs> I wouldn't say that, but that's how it made sense in my head. Uh, it's like, that's, that's how you control the animal. He says, and James continues, he talks about a boat, like these boats that are driven. We would think like, hey, it's the waves that are pushing them around. It's the wind that is pushing the boat. But he's like, no, it's actually the small thing under the water, the rudder, that is, doesn't get a ton of attention. But wherever the pilot wants it to go, that's where it's going. It's following the rudder. That's crazy. James is making the point that we look at the tongue as a small thing, and it is a small thing. But James wants us to realize that it directs the course of our whole lives. That's crazy. And isn't that what we want most? To be able to have control of our lives, to live a life with more consistency, to live a life with more wholeness and integrity. I don't know, maybe some perfectionists in the room are like, no, I want perfect. That's, 
that's me. I want it. But I think for most of us, we say, no, I know I'm going to make mistakes. I know I'm not going to be perfect all the time. But man, I would love to live with more wholeness and integrity in my life. And if we give our tongue the attention that it deserves, it could lead us to live a life full uh, of integrity and wholeness where our words reflect our actions and our actions reflect our character. James says that is what our life could look like if we really took this serious. Not that we're ever gonna be perfect, but that we could live a life where our everything feels connected, everything feels consistent. And there's way less of those, where did that come from moments? And so maybe you're, you're here that and you're still thinking like, okay, yeah, I could say good things sometimes, I could be nicer to people, but maybe is it really that big of a deal? I think it is because just like that is true, that, that when we control our tongue, we can actually control the course of our life. The opposite is actually true. That when we lose control of our tongue, our life can feel out of control. In fact, our words have a power to, to build up, but they also have the power to destroy. And that's what James says next in James chapter 3. He continues on in verse 5 and 6. He says this, Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it just feels like James keeps getting more and more intense with these analogies. I'm just like, wow. I can still remember the first time I read this and just like thinking, I gotta do something about this, right? Like the more serious he gets, the more I realize this is a big deal. And James wants us to understand that the tongue is a fire. I was actually talking to Ryan, our, our worship pastor, about his experience with the wildfires in, in California back in 2017. Maybe you remember some of the, the news coverage about these fires that just spread and they could not be stopped. Ryan actually, his neighborhood, the fires came all the way up to his neighborhood and I, I asked him, I was like, dude, what was it like? He said this, he was like, it was shockingly real, surprisingly hot and it couldn't be contained. And he also told me about a time he had to help his neighbor put out a fire on their roof. I was like, wow, that is crazy just how far a wildfire spreads. And James says, this is what your tongue is like. This is what the words that you say are like. I mean, isn't that how gossip works? It starts with a small spark, but before we know it, it's spread and goes farther than we ever intended it to. It starts with just maybe one word or, or one sentence but then it spreads from house to house, destroying houses, families, and burning down relationships. I don't know if you've ever experienced this like I have. Like our words have the power to build up, but man, they have a power, the power to destroy. It all started by one careless act too, right? The, the, uh, the, this entire wildfire, one stranger in a town, not even this town, one careless act, maybe a cigarette butt or a match that, that didn't go all the way out started this entire wildfire that just could not be stopped. In the same way gossip, gossip can start a, a fire whose destruction goes way farther than we ever intended. It goes way farther than we wanted it to reach. And before we realize it's something that's out of control, something that's out of our own hands, and its destruction is crazy to see. 
And it's not just gossip, though. Things like gossip, uh, talking down to someone, manipulation, cursing someone out. It is all a fire. And James says, we need to get this under control. And that's why I believe what you say and don't say is important. It's not just the things we say, but the things that we choose not to say. All of these things are so important. James actually continues in James chapter 3, verse 7. You're you're not going to believe it. It just keeps getting crazier. He says, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. I mean, that is insane. I mean, we were all there in 2020. We watched Tiger King. We were locked in our houses. We saw this, the big cats. They got tamed by this crazy redneck dude. Like that guy could tame a lion, but we can't tame our tongues. That's insane. Uh, I think like SeaWorld. Uh, Y'all ever been to SeaWorld? Like they found a killer whale. This animal was called a killer whale. And someone's like, I bet I could ride it though. Like a killer whale. So I was like, yeah, I'll hop on it. I'll do that. That's insane. We've tamed killer whales. We've tamed lions and tigers. I mean, animals live in our houses. But James says we can't tame our own tongue. And I think he says this to make us realize just how powerful it is. The gravity that it holds. And our words have the power to build up. But our words also have the power to destroy. That's so insane. No human being can tame the tongue. And maybe he's being extreme because words affect way more than we think they do. Maybe he's making all these points and trying to make us realize that our words affect a lot. Like a wildfire that spreads, like an animal that's been taken. Our words have so much power. And so if, if you're not a believer in the room, I would ask you this. I think you should try this because it will make your life better. It will. Following this will make your life better. I mean, we've all seen the consequences of a wildfire. But also we've seen what it looks like when someone lives a life with wholeness and integrity and just how good that life looks. But if you are a follower of Jesus in the room, this isn't just a suggestion. This is a command for you. And this next verse, James is talking specifically to followers of Jesus. He says this in in James uh, chapter three, verses nine through 12. He says, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. He continues and says, can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or can a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Man, the first time I read that, especially that first verse, if we can flip back to it real quick. uh, It says, with our tongue we praise our Lord and Father and with it we curse men who are made in God's likeness. I mean, that, that doesn't just make your heart drop a little bit. I don't know what will because that, man, that is so true of us. And actually, as, as he continues, he talks about, hey, fresh water and salt water, they cannot come out of the same opening. I think of it like this. There's the good things that we say, there's the bad things that we say, and there's you. And so think of this cup. These are all the good words that we like to say. Um, these are like encouragement, 
uh, when we bless other people, uh, when we, we, we talk and we're generous, we're, we, we care about other people. These are the bad things we say, like the gossip and the, uh, like cursing someone out or slander. And James is saying, like, this is you. And the bad thing is the salt water. I'm going to make that real salty. And the good is the fresh water. And with our mouth, we, we, we praise God. We praise people. We say, hey, man, great job. And with the same mouth, we say, hey, you suck. <laughs> or we talk down to people. We gossip about people. And in the end, this is what we're left with. This is you. When they mix, it pollutes everything. It's not a half fresh water, half salt water combination anymore. It's all salt water. And if I took a sip of, no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I always usually, when I teach in students this, I always get a middle school boy to, to take a sip. They'll always do it. And they'll take a sip and they're like, oh, it's salty. Well, yeah, you just saw me do that, man. Like, <laughs> what do you think? But it's so good. When, when we put these together, there's no longer fresh water and salt water. It all becomes polluted. This is us. And I think sometimes we hear this narrative that believers are hypocrites or that believers, man, they say one thing but they do another. They say one thing, they, they, they talk another way. And I think this is why. Because we claim to be freshwater. We claim that we know Jesus. We say that we know the God who loves the world, the God who loved the world enough to give his son for us. We claim that the Holy Spirit, that it has come and live inside of us. Now we're a new creation, that we've been renewed, that we look different. And I don't know, but these look very similar to me. Because when they come together, it's all polluted. And so for believers in the room, I want to ask you this, that, that we need to take our word seriously. James is telling us that, man, these things don't mix. These things don't go together. There's people around you who need some fresh water. There's people around you who are looking to you to be the light. But instead, we look a little bit murky. We look a lot like the rest of the world. And so I, I want to ask you this. What, what makes a dirty mouth then? What makes a, a dirty mouth? I mean, well, literally speaking, right, you got to brush your teeth twice a day, right? Who does that, though? No, you're a liar. You're lying. If you, brush your, if you say you brush your teeth twice every day, no way. Once a day for sure. Once a day for sure. Uh, but nobody really brushes twice a day. We just tell the dentist that. So you got to brush your teeth. Got to floss, right? These are things. Because if you don't do these things... It can lead to things like cavities. It can lead to things like gum disease, right? All of these things. We're like, oh, yeah, we know that because we've been to the dentist before. The crazy thing is, I saw this on a billboard, actually, but I fact-checked it. It's true. Uh, <laughs> a gum, like, things like gum disease can actually lead to heart disease. I don't know who figured that out, scientists or dentists or what. I don't know how that works. But they figured out, hey, Gum disease is actually something that leads to heart disease. And so they're saying, you got to take care of your mouth. You need to go get it regularly cleaned. You need to go and get your teeth clean. You need to be brushing your teeth once or twice a day. Because if not, it could lead to a disease in the heart. It's crazy. A disease in the mouth leads to a disease in the heart. Jesus actually said this a couple thousand years ago. In Luke chapter 6, verse 45. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil, evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart 
is full of. Jesus knew 2,000 years ago that our mouth and our heart are connected. I don't know, maybe he should have been a dentist, I don't know. I think he's doing good at what he did. That's crazy, he knew that our heart and our mouth are connected, but instead of a, a disease in the mouth leading to a disease in the heart, he's telling us this, it's actually flipped. What comes out of our mouth was already in our heart to begin with. That's pretty crazy. A disease of the heart will flow out of your mouth naturally. And so when we ask ourselves that question that where did that come from? Jesus teaches us this, that it came from within. It came from within. Whatever is in our heart will come out of our mouth naturally. It flows like water does. Whatever is inside is going to come out. And so if there's bitterness in your heart, bitterness is what's going to come out of your mouth. If there's hurt in your heart, hurt is what's going to come out of your mouth. If there's things like anger or jealousy, if there's wounds in your heart, those are the things that are going to naturally flow out of your mouth. It came from within. But the opposite is true too. If there's healing in your heart, healing is gonna come out naturally. If there's wisdom in your heart, if there's encouragement, if there's generosity stored away in your heart, all of these things will flow naturally out of your heart and come out of your mouth in the form of your words. It all came from within. And I think it's easy to believe that our words are not a big deal. It's easy to think of them as a small thing. Like even James says, hey, it's a small thing. But it directs the course of our entire lives. It's easy to believe that our words are, are an indicator of our character. But I think the truth is this. The health of your heart, I'm sorry, the health of your mouth reveals the health of your heart. The health of your mouth reveals the health of your heart. That's hard to swallow. It is. The truth is, I love James's teaching because it is so practical. James actually said just, just a few chapters, uh, a few verses earlier, uh, he said, hey, it would be foolish of you not to, to hear a word and not to do anything about it. We shouldn't just be hearers of the word, we should be doers of the word. And I love that because he writes so practically that it makes it really easy to know what our application steps for today are. It makes it really easy to know what we should do. It's not easy to do, but it's easy to know what we should do. And so our application for today is this. Evaluate your heart based on your words. Ask yourself this question. What do my words reveal about my heart? Or if you're really brave, ask the person you talk to the most. What do my words reveal about my heart? That's a hard question to ask. And I think if we, like what if we did this as believers? Like what if we took this serious and said, maybe my words are a big deal. Maybe this matters. Maybe the way people see me, or maybe even better, the way people hear me speak matters a lot. I mean, what if we took this seriously? I mean, that would be so crazy to see believers who would just say, I I'm gonna evaluate my heart, the, the state that I am, whether I'm in a healthy place or in an unhealthy place, based off the things that come out of my mouth. I'm gonna evaluate, am I in a healthy place in my relationship with God? Am I in a healthy place in my relationship with others? Based on the words that we say, it's easy to say it's an uncharacteristic moment. But I think Jesus would tell us this. We can use our words to evaluate where we are and what's inside of our heart. 
And the second thing is easy. Once we've evaluated, once we know what's inside, we can do this. We can pray and ask God to heal your heart. Pray and ask that God would change your heart. If you realize, man, there's just anger. I, I get these sudden outbursts of anger and all of a sudden I'm talking, like, I'm just talking down to people a lot. And there's just, I think there's jealousy in me because I just always talk behind people's backs. I'm always trying to tear other people down. That gives us a way to say, God, there is jealousy in my heart and only you can heal this. God, there are wounds in my heart that only you can heal. And so I would encourage you this, as you evaluate and find what is in your heart, to pray and ask God to heal those things that you have found in your heart. And we have a team of people here today who would love to pray with you after service if you need that. But I, I wanna end today just by saying this. Uh, obviously, I'm the, they said I'm the student pastor here, and, and man, what an honor it is to, to get to lead the students here. It, it's so exciting, and, and for a lot of you, some of your kids, I, I get the, the privilege of, of ministering to them and, and leading them. But I wanna just encourage you with this as we wrap up, because I think the temptation is you hear a message like this, so maybe it's in you as well. I think the temptation is this, that I'll tell a story. My, my grandma, she, she passed away about 10 years ago uh, from dementia, and uh, when she had dementia, a lot of times she'd get confused really easily, uh, and sometimes we try to help her out, like, oh, no, this is this, is this person, or this is what happened. You know, we try to help her out, and a lot of times when, when she would be confused like that, it would just upset her, and so she's like, oh, I just won't say anything then. And it's been a really, it's, a, it's kind of become something in our family we will say jokingly as a way to remember her and, and to cherish her memory. But I, I think when I hear a message like this and I hear the weight of words, I hear that like, man, my words are a fire. I could tear some stuff down. It's easy for me to think like, I just won't say anything then. I'm gonna keep my mouth shut because if words carry that much weight, I don't wanna mess up. I don't wanna start a fire. I don't wanna burn any bridges. I just won't say anything. But the truth is there is a generation behind you that needs your voice. They do. There's a generation that's coming up and it, it's crazy because this is the loneliest generation there's ever been. 73% uh, of this generation that's coming up now uh, of Gen Z would say, 73% say that they often or always feel alone. That's crazy. They need your voice. They don't need you to just not tear down. They need you to build them up. I'm sure you can think of someone in your life when you went through something. Man, where would I be without this person? Where would I be if it wasn't for this person's encouraging words that got me through a tough season? Or maybe you can think of a time you said, I wish someone was there. Man, some of the biggest regrets I have in my life, I bet I wouldn't have made if there was just a caring adult who came and just lent their voice they listened, but they also encouraged me and gave me wisdom. Uh, they loved me when I was going through hard things. And I think about a guy named Doug, who was a senior when I was in eighth grade, who cared enough about me and a small group of eighth grade guys. He would come pick us up in his Jeep. He would take us off-roading. He would buy us Slurpees. And we thought he was the coolest person ever. And I think about that guy. But the thing about Doug, Doug wasn't afraid to have awkward conversations with us. Doug wasn't afraid to ask us where we were or how our faith was. He wasn't afraid to, to, to just be there with us and encourage us and help us out. I think about when I was 18 and in my first ministry intern job and, and my, my youth pastor that I, was, I grew up under, I was now working for, and the words that he spoke to me, the way that he encouraged me, the way that he saw a gift in me 
and said, here's how you use it. He would encourage me and help me to grow. I, I, I think of when I was 21, I got my first full-time student ministry job. I was a youth pastor and I had no idea what I was doing. And I think of a parent of three kids in my student ministry named Jim, who wasn't afraid to come and talk to me and say, hey, my kids think this is weird. My kids think this, you're doing a bad job in this, but they think you're doing a great job at this. I think about his words, his encouragement, his, his kind critiques, the way that he was willing to pour into me, Doug, Chris, Jim, all of them. And I just think, where would I be if it wasn't for their encouragement? Where would I be if it wasn't for their wisdom? And I think about this next generation that feels more alone than ever, that needs your voice. And I wanna encourage you, use your voice because you have wisdom in your heart. You have healing in your heart. You have generosity in your heart. You have encouragement in your heart. And you have something to offer this next generation that they desperately need. And so I just wanna encourage you to use your words, to invest, to pour into people's lives, not just to hear this message and say, I won't say anything because I don't wanna start a fire, but to realize our words don't just have the power to destroy. Our words have the power to build something to build something that is special. And I would like to encourage you to please, please, please do that. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for your son, Jesus, who came to this earth for us, that he came to show us, Lord, who you are and Lord, what you are about. He taught us about our heart that following you, Lord, isn't just about the things that we do, but instead it's about a posture of the heart, about learning to live, to become new people. And so God, I just pray that our words ref would reflect that we have been changed from the inside out. That when we think about the things that came from within, it would all be good and life-giving things. Lord, because our words have weight. You taught us that our words are important. God, let us use our words to build up, to encourage, to help people grow. Lord, we have a goal, and that is to be fresh water, not to be this murky salt water that's just confusing everybody. Lord Jesus, you are the light of the world. Let us now go into that world. Let us watch our mouths because it is important. It is a big deal. It steers the course of our life. Jesus, help us to do that. Give us grace when we fail because we will. James tells us no one can do this perfectly. Give us grace when we fail and help to re-center the course of our lives to follow you, Lord. I pray that we would actually do this because it will make our lives better. Jesus, we love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. I hope today's message was an encouragement to you. And if you'd like a little more information about our church, just visit us on our website at lifepointplano.org.